How do you choose the ideal business lawyer for your company? It's a problem and a dilemma that can plague big businesses as much as small and mid-sized companies. And in a minute, I'm going to share with you a process to help you choose a lawyer that you can know, like, and trust. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. In today's program, I'm going to focus on some steps that you can take to find the ideal business lawyer for your business in the United States. Some of you may know me as the no-nonsense lawyer, because I don't put up with a whole lot of guff. And some of you, you don't know me at all. So let me take a quick moment to explain why I know something about the lawyer selection process. First of all, I am a lawyer. Yes, it's true. <laughs> During the course of my career, most of it spent as an in-house counsel at various companies where I managed multi-million dollar legal budgets. And over the years, I hired an army of outside counsel to assist with litigation and transactional work. Today, of course, I spend my time interviewing the fabulous guests you hear on Business Confidential now, as well as providing executive education and leadership development to executives, managers, and entrepreneurs in the area of legal literacy and risk management through my consulting, training, and coaching work at Business MO LLC and the Legal Leverage Academy. My mission is to help you access the business information you need to succeed so that you can make smarter decisions and build a more robust and sustainable business so that you can spend your resources building your business instead of your lawyers and create an organization that you can be proud to tell your grandchildren about one day. Now, in your role as a business leader, it is important to be a smart consumer of legal services. Why? Because every business needs a good accountant, banker, and lawyer. Having the right professionals on your team can make a profound difference in the success of your business. Now, finding a lawyer, that can actually be pretty easy. You ask your friends in business, you can ask your network, check with your local bar association, lawyer directories, do an internet search for your geographic area. Mr. Google's got a lot of information, and you'll find dozens and dozens of listings. Great, but now what? How do you choose one? Throw a dart at your computer screen? Click on a name with your eyes closed? Go to the first name a friend refers you to? Even that has its problems. See, the number one truth about choosing the ideal business lawyer for your company is that not all lawyers are created equal. That's right. Different lawyers gravitate to different areas of legal practice. Some like to do criminal work. Others handle civil cases. So just as you wouldn't expect a heart surgeon to handle acne, it's not cost-effective for a civil lawyer to handle a criminal case or vice versa, or a real estate lawyer to file patents. What that means for you is that zeroing in on the type of legal advice you need 
will help you narrow the search for the ideal business lawyer. And you probably knew that already. So if your business has been sued, for example, you'll need a litigator who can represent you in front of the court where the lawsuit was filed. And someone who's litigated in the area, the subject matter that your suit is about. So if you were sued by a former employee for a wrongful termination, you'll want a lawyer with employment law experience. Okay, so that narrows down and filters your list by the type of legal project. If it's a lawsuit, you need a litigator. If it's transactional work, you'll need some kind of contract lawyer. If it's pure advisory capacity, that's something else. So that's the first slice, and then you want to filter by subject matter. Employment, real estate, sales, so on down the line. Now, truth number two about choosing a business lawyer is that too many businesses make decisions based purely on price instead of whether they can have a solid business relationship with the lawyer that they pick, one that's based on mutual trust and respect. Why is that important? Well, it's important for a whole bunch of reasons, but unfortunately, there are lots of business leaders who are intimidated by lawyers, and I get it. Some of it's due to the bravado, the swagger that some lawyers have. Some of it's due to the abstract nature of the law. It's confusing. It's got special language that lawyers speak. I get it. Now I want to help you cut through all that because choosing a lawyer and buying legal services shouldn't be like buying a bottle of wine when you're going to a dinner party and know nothing about wine. What do most people do? They buy the most expensive bottle they can afford. Now when you're talking about lawyers who typically bill by the hour, that approach can get real expensive real fast. Now, of course, the flip side is to hire the cheapest lawyer you can find. After all, they all passed a bar exam, right? But see, the cheapest is not always the least expensive if it takes them two or three times as long to do something because they don't have the experience. And basically, they're learning on your dime. Now, if you want to be able to subsidize that kind of tuition, fine, that's your choice. So what can you do? Well, my suggestion, my recommendation, is that you ask questions. Questions that let you smoke out hidden costs. And we're going to start with some basics. As a matter of fact, I feel so strongly about this that I'm going to make available to you a free special report. It's my 16 no-nonsense questions to ask before hiring a business lawyer. Real simple. And you can find it on our episode page at businessconfidentialradio.com. So number one, the first question you should ask yourself is whether you like the lawyer. Like, yeah, it's important that you meet them before you hire them, either in person or over the phone, and they need to pass the yuck test. Because let's face it, it's more fun to work with someone that you like than someone that you don't like. Because if you don't like them, you're going to avoid them. Now, how is that going to serve your purpose of getting advice when you need it? Besides, if you don't like them at the beginning of the relationship, it's unlikely it's going to get better, especially when you've got some tough issues to deal with or you need to have a sensitive discussion. So, number one, you need a lawyer that you can like and trust. Next, do you understand them? Can the lawyer you're interviewing explain the law in plain English? Or do they start spouting case names and courts? Now, they might be brilliant lawyers, but if they're going to have a tough time communicating with you, that can be an issue because the lack of clarity can be expensive and frustrating. 
And it's hard to like someone that makes you feel uncomfortable. Because, you know, you might be reluctant to ask them an important question because you're afraid of looking silly. And that would be tragic because without total, open, honest communication, you might be holding back an important piece of information or not asking a question that could then ultimately have a negative impact on the advice you receive and your lawyer's ability to really provide effective representation. Third, do they create a safe space for you to discuss your confidential business information? See, you deserve the legal protection that you're entitled to. The law gives you protection. Now, you may not know how to tap into all of it, and that's where your lawyer can be a gatekeeper, and that's okay. But it also means that it's critical for you to be able to share information that's sometimes sensitive, confidential, maybe even a little embarrassing, but you need to feel safe in order to confide, in order to share And if the lawyer you're interviewing makes you feel uncomfortable or demonstrates zero empathy, that's going to be tough to connect with them and to trust them enough in order to share those secrets and confidential information. And again, withholding information means you could be compromising the advice that you deserve and the protection that you'll ultimately get. Here's a good one for you. Number four, are they confident or cocky? Now, there's a difference between confidence and overconfidence. You know, a swaggering blowhard can be very impressive. They got the answer to everything. But blowhards tend to take a scorched earth approach, and they're often very difficult to work with. Now, what that means for you is that their legal bills can mount up pretty quickly. You might not even be comfortable challenging them. Now, if that's what you need and want, then fine. Go in there with your eyes open. But Let me ask you this. What happens when they start getting cocky with you? Now, those are some practical things you need to keep in mind and considerations that in the heat of the moment, you need a litigator, you need this deal done, boom, boom, boom. It often gets swept under the rug. But that doesn't make for a good long-term relationship. So understand yourself and your own tolerance for dealing with someone like that. You may be great at it, in which case, more power to you. Number five, how does the lawyer like to communicate with clients? What's their preferred mode of communication? When something major happens in your case, do you want a phone call, a 10-page memo, or a text? Sorting out how frequently they're going to keep you up to date and how they're going to do it can save some headaches down the road, especially if they'd rather do a 10-page memo that takes 40 hours to do. Ka-ching, ka-ching. So look for compatible communication styles. Number six, are they comfortable sharing disappointing news with you? Not everything is a bed of roses. You know that, right? But it's a fact that the majority of legal malpractice claims result from lawyers not giving their clients bad news in a timely fashion. So make sure that your lawyer can handle those kinds of difficult conversations. Find out how they've done that in the past, how they've delivered bad news to clients in the past. And if you have a preferred way of receiving it, say in person, face-to-face, instead of over the phone or in an email, have those discussions early on in your attorney-client relationship. It's important. Number seven, what type of legal experience do they have? 
Diplomas are nice, don't get me wrong, but what's more important is how they've applied their education. Ask. Check them out on the web. Ask for references. Find out if they've done the kind of projects that you need help with. A trial lawyer might be not, not the greatest choice when you're dealing with an acquisition agreement. In the same way that a lawyer who handled your speeding ticket might not be the best person to ask about a sexual harassment claim or negotiate your office lease. Lawyers specialize the same way doctors do, but state bar rules sometimes prohibit them from openly advertising their expertise. They tend to be either litigators and trial lawyers or transactional lawyers. It's a different skill set between those two. And within each of those groups, there's specialized areas of law. So maybe you need an insurance litigator or an employment law or a contract lawyer. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's your business that you need to protect. You might also want to know what law firms they've worked for or are currently working for. Law firms are great training grounds, and it's a plus if your lawyer has had law firm experience. But keep in mind that law firms are also a collection of lawyers that are specialists. You might not always need a specialist. You might sometimes want something more like a primary care physician instead of a heart surgeon. Specialists have their place, but so do generalists. And a generalist can help you spot issues sooner rather than later. And maybe that's what you really need. Someone who can be an issue spotter, who can identify the problems before they blow up while they're small and less expensive to fix. Another important question to ask is what government experience they have. You know, depending on your industry and the type of project you're looking at, government experience could be really useful because there's a benefit to having someone that has inside knowledge about how the bureaucracy works what issues are important to government agencies, especially if you're in a regulated industry. What in-house experience do they have? Lawyers with in-house experience tend to have a better handle on what business hot buttons are and are also in a better position to anticipate problems by connecting the dots between the law and your business bottom line. Another real plus of someone having in-house experience is that they're usually acutely aware of your budget limitations and are often more willing to work within those confines than law firm lawyers. Now I know that's a big generalization and there's exceptions, there's exceptions to every rule, but generally speaking that is true because they recognize it's got to get done within these parameters. At a firm, a lawyer's billable hours are a profit center. In-house the time an in-house lawyer spends is not a profit center. They are an expense, so they understand the bottom line pressure that creates. And because they're used to managing outside counsel, they also have ways of reining in outside counsel costs. Another thing you'll want to know is what type of clients the lawyer you're interviewing works with. Ask if they have industry experience that matches yours and whether they appreciate the challenges of a business your size from a cultural perspective. And you might have to elaborate on that a little bit because you know that if you work in a large organization, there are going to be more internal stakeholders that need to be involved in the decision making and maybe the project that you're seeking legal advice about. And as a result, that's going to require more coordinated communications. Here's a biggie for you. Ask how they staff cases. How many people will be assigned to your file and who will be handling the lion's share of the work? That's an important thing to know. 
Will the senior partner, the one with all the experience, be doing the heavy lifting? Or a junior, less experienced attorney who might take longer? And what's going to be the turnover of lawyers working on the file? Because keep in mind, whenever someone new comes aboard the team, there's going to be a learning curve. And who's going to absorb that cost? You or them? Now, if you speak up and you negotiate it up front, you'll have a favorable result. If not, you're going to have a really big bill. Here's another one. What budget and project management skills do they have? They don't teach that in law school. I guarantee you that. Find out how frequently their cases are over budget and why. Oh, they don't use budgets? Well, there you go. That could be a flag for you. You use budgets in your business to manage and run your organization, and they should too. So that would be a great way to start getting your arms around the costs involved of the legal services that you're obtaining. Another one is to ask them about whether they entertain alternate fee arrangements. You know, hourly fees are the gold standard, but more firms are being receptive to various alternate fee arrangements, everything from flat fees for certain types of projects, which give you certainty you're only going to pay X dollars and not more, to project caps and other types of shared incentives. Exploring alternate fee arrangements helps you save money in the long run, and it encourages more efficient utilization of legal resources, which means a higher return on your investment. Find out what kind of experience they have in that area, if it's been positive or negative, and if it's been negative, why? It could give you a lot of insight on how they manage their process, their cases, their workflow. Because the goal of an alternate fee arrangement is to ensure that you're receiving real value and return on investment for the time and money that's being spent on your case. Another important thing to be aware of as you're doing the interviewing is looking to see how much they're exploring your business goals and objectives with you. How much are they trying to learn about your business? Because after all, the law is a business tool. If they don't ask about your business goals and what's most important in your transaction or what winning looks like for you in a lawsuit, you could actually be working at cross purposes. Because the failure to clearly identify an objective can be very expensive. In a lawsuit, for example, they're looking to win and they may be pulling out all the stops because they're zealously defending you. And yes, they are. And within the parameters of the rules of professional responsibility, that's their obligation. But if your goal is not to make this the most expensive case your opponent has ever witnessed, and instead looking to tee up a quick mediation or settlement in order to resolve the case, those could be two different strategies and two different types of tactics that you would use in order to achieve that, one being more costly than the other. And finally, do they understand your business? Do they ask questions about it? Do they appreciate your marketing challenges, your employment risks? Can they speak the language of business or only legalese? The Internet's a great source of information, and if your prospective lawyer knows that they're meeting with you, hopefully they've done some homework about your business. That can lead to some good questions on their part so they can learn more about what you do, the markets you serve, what makes you tick. The more they understand your business and your strategic goals, the better they'll be able to help you manage your company's legal risk, both for a specific project and for long-term planning purposes. 
And there you have it. The number one ugly truth about choosing the ideal lawyer for your business, just to recap, they're not all created equal. The number two truth about how to choose the ideal business lawyer, it's up to you. You need to ask questions. And the third and final is to remember that you are in charge of the relationship. Please don't abdicate responsibility. You're going to learn from your lawyer. Your lawyer is going to learn from you. There's no such thing as the perfect lawyer. But I'm hoping that these questions that I've just shared with you will help you identify where the strengths and weaknesses are in the relationship, what kind of relationship is going to work best for you, be in your comfort zone, and help you move your business forward. Because that's ultimately what it's all about, using the law and using your legal counsel and their advice in order to advance, grow, and build your business. And as I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to download a copy of the 16 No-Nonsense Questions to Ask Before Hiring a Business Lawyer, you're welcome to do so. Just come on over to businessconfidentialradio.com. What you're listening to is Season 2, Episode 26, and it's called The Truth About How to Choose the Ideal Business Lawyer. Once you get to that page, you'll see a reference to the free download. Just follow the instructions. It's real simple. These are the questions that I've used in the past when evaluating counsel, and what I've learned when I engage in this process has helped me sort out what kind of trade-offs I'm willing to make for a given case or situation, and I hope it helps you too, because there is no one-size-fits-all solution. It's a process, and it involves trade-offs, but most important, it involves understanding what your comfort zone is and what's best for your business. It's a very personal decision. Thank you for joining me today, and tune in next week for another episode of Business Confidential Now. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Keltner. Brought to you by Business MO, LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait, so just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media too. 
We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.